Hello, Dave. Hello, Matt. How's it going? Uh, tired. Yeah? Yeah, I just finished 25 days in a row. 25 days in a row? Yeah. Yikes. Everybody's like, you're not working this week? And I'm like, no, I'm going to sleep. She was on. I think it was laughing. Did the uh, telephone operator, and one of oh. one of her jokes that she would do would be a uh, please hold, and and she would you know be switching stuff. At one point, she goes back in line, and goes, "What's you holding now?" <laughs> okay, all the way back to the laughing day. Yes, that was uh, Ernestine. Ernestine, the telephone operator. That sounds about right. Yeah. Well, I would respond to what you're holding now with uh, the tagline for uh, Cool Hand Luke. Sometimes the best hand is no hand. <laughs> okay, it's June 1st, and you know what that means. I do indeed. It's Bashful Benjamin Dow's 47th birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Bashful Benjamin Dow, happy birthday to you. Now he's going to have to listen to it. And how are we celebrating? Did you say, quote, by answering inane questions about Cerebus Minutia with a question mark, unquote? Because we are. Quote, what is Jack's inseam? Quote, who asked this crap? <laughs> so that would be pretty esoteric. What is what is Jacka's inseam besides uh, uh, something something of great fascination to Sarah? Uh, anyway, it's your turn to remember Jeffrey Seiler. You know, Jeff, uh, she how do you pronounce that? Shecky McAsscrap was what I thought it was, but it looks like it's ass-crape. It's ass-crap. The E is silent. Oh, the E is silent, of course. Uh, baldy guy, glasses... Had a thing for uh, Jimmy Buffett and the Kansas City Royals. Uh, ringing any bells? Uh, no. He sent you a letter that time. Yeah, Grandpa. That guy. Yes, it is uh, my turn to remember Jeff. And uh, I'm I'm starting to uh, get a little lost on on which parts we talked about and uh, and which parts that we we haven't talked about. But. Um, I guess uh, this time what I, what I want to talk about, and probably for uh, the next couple of times, is uh, the really um, inexplicable things that happened um, in, uh, in proximity to Jeff Styler uh, through, I would say, like the last, <coughs> excuse me, last, last six months, uh, the last eight or ten months of, uh, 
life. And uh, he died uh, September 18th, 2021. So, um, and I, I just checked that on the memorial plaque here at the, uh, at the off White House because I was going, I'm pretty sure that uh, Jeff was um, died and uh, had, was still alive during the, uh, the peak fever of the COVID-19 thing, which is why this becomes, to, it became to me at the time and is, is still in my mind, a completely inexplicable thing that uh, one of Jeff's few activities, um, he, was, he led a really, really sedentary existence, uh, particularly toward the end, partly because of his bad hips, partly because of his bad knees, partly because of the inclination just towards uh, a sedentary lifestyle. Uh, but the inexplicable thing was First of all, that uh, his his major activity uh, that he was engaged in was karaoke night. Do you remember that? That he uh, he was a, uh, a devotee of this uh, this karaoke bar in uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, I remember. Towards the end of the Yahoo group, he was posting about that quite a bit of. Or when I would talk to him, well, I got to go to karaoke. Right, which always seemed odd to me. Like uh, if I if I had to guess somebody who would be up for karaoke night, um, Jeff Siler wouldn't be in the top top twenty list. Um, and so, getting to the inexplicable part, um, the city of Minneapolis at some point. Um, in 2021, which, like I say, was still when uh, the, the lunatic COVID-19 uh, rules were in effect, suddenly lifted the rule on karaoke bars and allowed, I don't know how many karaoke bars there are in Minneapolis or that there were in 2021, but at least the one that Jeff was going to, they lifted the restriction on karaoke bars. And I'm going like, okay, every time I, I think, all right, you know, give it the benefit of the doubt, there is something to this COVID-19 thing. Um, it's, no, not, you know, now you're doing that thing again where you're, you're uh, taking a hard and fast rule that you said, this is the science and this is the science that we are following and um, not only were karaoke bars banned, um, public singing in a public venue was banned, and uh, singing in church was banned because of the notorious droplets. This was what we, we all had to fear for our mortal lives was droplets and nothing produces droplets in a greater profusion, profusion uh, that, that can't be screened by masks. Uh, not even the legendary N95 mask could, could save you from, from droplets when they were uh, reduced to aerosol level. And 
hardcore uh, red state, uh, or no, a hardcore uh, hardcore blue state. It's uh, definitely a liberal environment. Uh, why did they suddenly allow this um, genocidal level activity? Uh, but of course, Jeff was Jeff was thrilled because uh, that was the biggest thing that he missed, apart from uh, just going out to get groceries and stuff like that, or going to the occasional restaurant. Uh, Jeff was a complete homebody um, most of the year because <laughs> Minneapolis is. One of those places like like Kitchener, where a good uh, you know it's uh, uh, only two seasons, winter and bad sledding, and uh, he, he uh, with good reason spent most of his most of his time at home. So that's as, that's as far as I'm going to go on that one. But, but the next time it's my turn, I'm going to pick up on the karaoke thing and uh, uh, go through a, a few more inexplicable um, situations that uh, if they didn't just occur because they were in proximity to Jeff Seiler, it certainly had, uh, had that illusion for me. Well, as Tundas named him, he was the effing magnifier. Right, right. That, exactly that thing and... Uh, one of those, because because he was so uh, extravagant, extravagantly focused on me, for which I was very grateful because he was, uh, you know, a great patron and a, and a great fan. It was, uh, is this directed at me? Did I somehow get Jeff Seiler and uh, uh, in a in a metaphysical uh, possessive sense and how careful do I have to be about Jeff Seiler? So I tended to be very, very careful about uh, about Jeff Seiler, um, which uh, he appreciated as well. I definitely uh, kept track of uh, virtually everything that he told me, and uh, that that ties into the to the karaoke story as well. Then we answer the practical avalanche of questions from your many adoring and adorable fans. Uh, beginning as we have for the past few months with Adam J. Elcado, uh, creator of, uh, he left me a phone message, and I don't think he pronounced it Octave. I think he pronounced it uh, Octave. Um, so I'm gonna try, I'm gonna go with that conscious memory and call, call, the, call the character Octave, the artist. Uh, who said his, uh, his own little avalanche. Uh, what is half an avalanche? A quarter lynch? Does that get converted to metric at the border? All of these questions. Questions, questions, questions. And the next one is, and here Dave reads and answers Adam's next question. Oh, I'm on. Here's Adam's letter here, and it hasn't, it hasn't budged off of the floor from uh, the last few months. I'm terrified of, of misplacing it. Uh, do you have any advice for writing dialogue that doesn't sound like uh, a monologue in two voices? Uh, I find that creating extreme characters, 
I'm having trouble reading it. This word, uh, oh, AIDS in um, developing distinct voices um, for more reasonable characters. It seems uh, one sounds like all the rest. Uh, I.e., the thing and Doctor Doom are clear, but also I'm a bit uh, uh, reluctant to create a comic populated entirely with that class of character, uh, with good reason. Uh, anything you do to make this possible, or do you stick to um, uh, writing insane people most of the time? Uh, well, not insane people, but uh, idiosyncratic people. Uh, in your case, Adam, I would suggest, uh, uh, I'm going on, on the assumption that uh, you're, you're sticking to a largely minimalist style uh, in your drawing with the new project that you're working on, um, although it's, it sounds like it's going to be drawn different from the way you, uh, you drew Octave. Um, uh, because of the minimalism, I, I would suggest, uh, the Reader's Digest on the answer would be, uh, you, you need to write um, characters where they're portraying themselves in what they're saying. Uh, but also inadvertently revealing who they actually are and their actual nature as uh, a subtext that actually becomes the, the dominant text. And I would say the textbook I would suggest for you is read as much um, Jules Pfeiffer, uh, back when he was doing the Pfeiffer uh, comic strip in the village voice uh, because he was he was a master at uh, exactly that complementary form of minimalism very 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 simple drawings and very 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 simple dialogue but very very richly textured dialogue because you would read what it was the character was saying um, and uh, one of Fiverr's earliest collections was called The Explainers, which really summed up the kind of characters that he wrote, people who compulsively needed to explain uh, their own behavior and explain situations. Uh, they, they don't just live their lives if they can't explain everything at, uh, at a deep psychological level, then uh, that's that's when they start to become unhinged, uh, insane characters. So they, they have this complete level of restraint to uh, how they express themselves, but uh, the restraint uh, reveals more about them than they would want to re reveal and uh, indicates that they're very different people from, from how they perceive themselves. So that would be uh, my suggestion. Um, in terms of my own writing, I, I'm not sure that I would recommend that. Most of the writing that I do now in uh, a dialogue sense is 
confined to service and hell with a question mark. And that's all it. That's Dave uh, uh, Sim having spent uh, a good 25 years trying to eliminate it from his own life and uh, diminish it where he can't uh, completely eliminate it. Uh, so consequently, because you know, I'm documenting characters that are in, uh, if they're not in hell, they're in hell with a question mark. They're in purgatory or they're uh, atoning or uh, most of them are just uh, chasing themselves around in circles. So consequently, it's just, uh, as soon as I have uh, a cover from one of the guys, Birdsong, Hobbs, uh, Sean Robinson, then it's just, okay, where's where's the id in this? And the id is always uh, readily apparent uh, because I was definitely a, a id-driven person uh, up until 1996 when I, suddenly realize, reading the Bible, that that's, that's not the way to be. It's not a matter of uh, uh, he who hits his own uh, pleasure centers in his brain as hard and fast and uh, uh, constantly as he possibly can uh, wins in the end. And uh, boy, I, I definitely I definitely live that kind of lifestyle. So. Uh, unless, unless you're doing a, a comparable kind of work to service and hell with a question mark, I would definitely recommend um, uh, Pfeiffer. And uh, I will, I, I'll say from your own work, uh, one of the things that really jumped out of, at me in in octave, and I thought that's good. That's that's really really good because that's that's consciously arrived at, and it's again the two different levels. And uh, the, the moment was when, was uh, Octave the artist who is um, trying to uh, maintain a strict art for art's sake lifestyle and uh, debates this and discusses this pretty extensively both with himself and with the other characters in the story uh, that uh, art for art's sake is being lost and this is what Octave is uh, uh, obsessively pursuing in, in his own life is art for art's sake as an absolute and what he does is a uh, coffee mug that says Art for art's sake, and it's like uh, I just couldn't stop laughing when I got to that part because it was, yeah, there you go. Somebody who is who understands the concept of art for art's sake and understands the levels that exist to art for art's sake and is determined to arrive at an absolute human peak of art for art's sake, and he merchandises. And uh, it was very funny that then you actually merchandised it so you could get your octave uh, art for oxate, art sake coffee mug just by sending in this much money to this address. And uh, I, I, I definitely wondered how many, how many of those coffee mugs you sold and how many of uh, the people were, uh, were reading you know, your, your weekly strip. 
and uh, went, oh, great, a coffee mug, order one of those, and didn't realize exactly what you were doing, exactly the extent of, uh, of uh, the cross wires you were presenting people with. You, if, if you're reading a, a comic strip about a character who is an absolutist art for art's sake, you don't want to buy a coffee mug with a picture of that character on it. Or maybe you do. Uh, maybe it's it's one of those twenty twenty three things, and and I don't get it. Okay. The uh, <laughs> yeah, other, what I would suggest would be get a book where it is a dialogue, like uh, Will Eisner's Shop Talk, and just read that, and you know you get you get the idea of okay, these are two people talking, so. Like, you and I are talking, it's like, okay, you know, are we interrupting each other, or, you know, are one of us going off in a tangent, and the other one's trying to bring it, drag and kick it and scream it back to what we were originally talking about? Right. And, uh, that, that's when you, you, you have to make the decision as to whether you're going to stick there and go, okay, dude, uh, everything that I'm doing here is completely surface. It's just conversation, uh, badminton, this guy says this thing, that guy says that thing, this guy says this thing, and uh, gradually that leads to something um, because it, it definitely complicates writing dialogue when you get to the point of what is this character actually saying? Uh, I, know what, I know what they think they're saying, and I know what... Uh, how they perceive of themselves, but uh, who are they really? And uh, that's what—that's uh, definitely one of the great sources of humor, uh, both in in the real world and uh, and and in uh, fiction, is uh, the contrast between uh, who, what people think that they're saying and what they're what they're actually saying. And uh, what they're what they're actually uh, participating in—that very possibly they don't want to be participating in that, or they would be horrified if they thought, uh, "Is that what I'm actually saying?" And it's like, uh, arguably, yes. Um, which comes down to, uh, arguably, somebody could argue about that, or uh, arguably. I would argue that, which is one of those things that I've started doing in uh, in my commentaries uh, a couple of years back. If you're saying, if you use the term arguably, <laughs> you really do have to have to qualify it and say, I'm not just talking about a hypothetical other person who might argue this. This is what I'm arguing. Uh, this is what I think cues closer to the truth than. Uh, what what is ostensibly being said. Right. Right. <laughs> okay, moving on to Dodger. Uh, good old Dodger. Mike, what will we do without you? Uh, gets his questions in early because he's hoping I'll forget. No one can forget you, Mike. Does he participate a lot on, uh, on a moment of service? Not often, but... You know, we do, we, we do please hold, I post please hold, and within a week or two, 
I get a question of, hey, here's a question for next time. I was like, that's pretty optimistic that there's going to be a next time. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you wait until closer to the, uh, the first Thursday of the month and uh, hey, see I, if we're all still here. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate having at least one question in the kitty when I go, oh, yeah, i got to start reminding people to ask questions. That's but, true. But it, that's it, true, man. It's him and Michael R are usually the ones that you get, get them in early, get them in often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Messrs. Manly Matt and Ron Essler, question for Dave. You discussed sales of numbers for service last month, mentioning that issues one to five all had a print run of 2,000 copies uh, with the qualifier of the conversation that I had with Harry Kremer. Um, where he he said, uh, don't you remember with issue number two, they overprinted by whatever they overprinted by, and, and you sold me the excess? Remember? Remember? And he was very emphatic about it. So it was obviously something that he definitely remembered, and uh, I tend to take that as uh, as gospel. If, so, if someone's that emphatic about their memory, Usually it's not a false memory. Uh, I loved you reading Free Me List in a past episode. Thanks for that, by the way. Oh, no problem. It was uh, it was one of those, uh, as soon as I had the question, it's like, uh, well, you know where the freebie List is, Dave. It's in the red binder, and it's in the, um, the top drawer of the, the two-drawer filing cabinet. Uh, go and get the damn thing, and let's, let's cut to the chase on it. But I'm not asking you to do the same thing for the print run number, um, which is unfortunate because I've got the print run number. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Instead, can you please talk about the comic era crash of the 1990s when you stopped printing the distribution numbers next to the uh, note from the president letter? Uh, how bad did it get? Uh, did sales drop off a cliff, and did you fare better than other creators? Uh, in order, um, when I was talking to uh, Kevin Eastman promoting the uh, uh, the TA Kickstarter and uh, the auction of uh, of his pages, Kevin Eastman collection through HA.com, uh, he. He talked about the black and white bust, which um, definitely happened. And that was one of those, um, how bad did it get? Uh, it got worse for the people who um, were doing adjective, 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 collective noun um, books, uh, knockoffs of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where they would ship 50,000 copies, and then by issue three, um, they weren't getting enough orders to uh, keep going. Uh, so that that was a disaster for those people. Um, did sales drop off a cliff? Yes, again, for those people. Did you fare better than other creators? Uh, yes, in in terms of uh, 
I didn't experience the, the bounce that everybody was getting because Cerebus was a pretty entrenched commodity by the early 1990s. So when black and white comics, uh, the black and white boom was going on, uh, sales didn't really go up that much on Cerebus because the stores knew how many Cerebus they could sell. And they weren't suddenly going to buy twice as, twice as many Cerebus just because black and white comics are hot. It's, uh, no, I, I might have to do that with these titles over here because I don't, don't know what they're, what they're doing because they're at issue one or they're at issue three. But, uh, you know, service is at issue uh, uh, 95, 96, around there. And I pretty much got service figured out. Then uh, it, it, it was a, jo- a drop uh, in sales because it wasn't just the black and white publishers that went through boom and bust. A lot of the stores that banked on the, the black and white boom and bust, um, they, they went out of business because uh, they just uh, got overextended in, in that area. And consequently, a store that would have been selling um, 10 or 15 copies of service every month towards the service uh, volumes repeatedly, uh, suddenly um, they weren't there. And if they're not there, and sometimes the neighboring stores will pick up the slack, but usually that guy's customers were that guy's customers. One of those uh, weird realities in, uh, in the direct market that when a store goes away for some reason, a uh, good 90%, 90% of their customers go away. They don't just find a new place to, uh, uh, to buy comics. Uh, then I think edging, uh, Mike edging back in the other direction, uh, the highly coordinated, super secret, obsessively detailed fan list of Cerebus print line issues is blank for issues 6 to 45, 110 to 114, 125 to 201. Uh, the highest print run in this list is issue 90 at uh, 33,000 copies and service number zero at uh, 50,000 copies. Do you know the list that he's talking about? Is this something that is, that is widely widely known among uh, among the service aficionados? I, it might be something Margaret had cobbled together. It might be something that Philip Fry put up on the service wiki. I mean, it's a question that pops up every now and then of, hey, what were the circulation numbers for the entire run? And it's like, you know, what what's printed and known is what's printed and known, and the issues that don't have the numbers, it's, you know, anybody's guess. Except for Dave, who has the list, but, you know. <laughs> it's just funny to me that, you know, you have the list, and it's the thing that everybody goes, oh, if we get the list, it's like, well, okay, you know, we, we, can, we can get the list, but, but it's, because you know, people are trying to figure out, you know, what's the rarest issue type thing, and it's like, well, the early ones are... You know, it went. It only went up until it started to come down. Right, right. And I was, I was just funning you as Cerebus fans. I'm sitting here with Denny's invoice books, one, two, three, four, and five, uh, from the eight and a half by eleven and smaller uh, Cerebus archive uh, drawer number one. 
And invoice book number one goes from November 13, uh, 1978 to May 30th, 1979. And uh, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is I'm going to, is I'm going to read some of it. You, you tell me when uh, this gets to be, uh, even service fans don't want to, want to hear Dave Sim reading the phone book. Um, because this is pretty pretty close to that. Um, so this is service number six. Uh, the first invoice is Bill Suling, Seagate Distributors, uh, November 13th, 1978, and it's for 1,000 copies of service number six. Um, and uh, the, uh, the back cover ad that, uh, that Phil took uh, back then, he was paying uh, $100 for that, for the back cover of service, uh, service number six. So the 1,000 copies, that tells us that Seagate uh, definitely um, didn't boost their order at issue number six when I got uh, um, the list of uh, Mike Friedrich's Starreach distributors and contacted them and drummed up uh, some more business. Uh, same thing with Now and Then Books, which is uh, the next page, uh, service number six, 500 copies. One uh, plant uh, was new, I'm pretty sure, with service number six, and he took 500 copies. Uh, comic art distributors, Bill Morse. <laughs> and when I got to that page, I went, I do not remember a distributor called Comic Art Distributors, and I don't remember Bill Morris, but evidently he was. They were at uh, 319 6th Avenue in New York, New York, and uh, he took 350 copies. So there you go. There's a a boost in uh, in the circulation. Uh, another big surprise. Last gasp. Ron Turner, the same. Uh, Last Gasp Underground Publisher was also a distributor uh, at 280 Bryant in San Francisco, California. And Last Gasp took 300 copies of Service Number Six. Uh, Jim Friel, um, who was there from the beginning, um, 130 East Kilbourne in Lansing, Michigan. Um, and there's a there's a note here, uh, picked up in Toronto. So we didn't ship uh, service number six to Jim Friel. He went, uh, I'm going to be in Toronto. Can you uh, leave it with, we probably would have left it with uh, the people at Silver Snail. And uh, 500 copies of service number six, uh, holding, holding steady again from issue number one. Uh, another surprise, uh, Wells News, uh, Steve, Steve Bobroff, it looks like, or Stan Bobroff, Stan Bobroff, 2400 North High Street, Columbus, Ohio, and I'm going, hmm. I didn't know that Columbus, Ohio, entered the, uh, the service storyline 
uh, issue number six. Uh, anyway, Wells News uh, took 250 copies of Cerebus number six. Uh, Big Rapids uh, distribution in uh, Madison, Wisconsin took 200 copies of uh, Cerebus number six. Uh, real world distribution out in Vancouver, Ron Norton, who was uh, with us pretty much all the way along from there, uh, started buying with number six, taking a hundred copies. Uh, Gary O'Gorman, and I'm going, there's another name if, uh, if JDG was, uh, was playing, playing tricks on me again. And uh, saying, uh, who who uh, who was the important figure in Nervous' uh, background named Gary O'Gorman in Detroit, Michigan? Uh, I would have said, you got me. Was this uh, was this a distributor? It doesn't have a distribution name. Just Gary O'Gorman, 230 Adair Street, Detroit, Michigan, and he took a uh, hundred copies of Service Number Six. And that takes um, takes us uh, through all of the number six, number sixes. Is that enough? Well, everybody's got to break out their calculators and start adding up those numbers. I'm th- well, that's what, I'm, that's I'm th- what I'm thinking. You should probably have a warning before you post this. Going, uh, grab a piece of paper and a pen because we got some numbers you're going to want to write down. I mean, I was tallying in my head, and I'm going, it was, what, 4,000 copies? Or just about? It's, uh, it, it was, it was up there. It was, it was a, it was a good job. It was one of those, uh, with issue number five, okay, we're able to keep going barely, um, but keeping going is keeping going early on with the business. And then suddenly it was, uh, this is a little extra money, more extra money than uh, than we usually have uh, around here. Uh, inexplicable one on the next page. Downingham uh, Books, November 1978. Uh, 500 Therabus number 4 and 500 Therabus number 5. Why would he be getting uh, getting billed for those? Uh, in November 1978, they would have come out before that, which is why I wish that uh, any had been using uh, invoice books uh, before issue numbers did. Um, did he not? Did he not pay for number four or number five, or did he not uh, accept uh, delivery uh, of number four and, and number five? Uh, curious minds would would like to know. I mean, I, d- uh, I doubt there was a second printing. No, uh, there there wouldn't have been uh, a second printing. Did did we overprint? Would be an interesting question, but I don't think so on that on that either because it's like uh, no, we the the non returnable was part of it and the other part was being able to sell uh, the entire print run uh, as, soon as, as soon as it was published so that uh, we knew exactly uh, 
how much money, how much money we were, uh, how much money we were getting in, and when we were getting it in. So yeah, mystery, mystery on that one. So wait, Harry said there was an overrun on which issue? Two. Two. Well, there goes that theory. <laughs> yeah, I admire your enthusiasm on that one, uh, Sherlock. Uh, but yeah, because it, 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 it was definitely when he was telling me about it, it was it was just that issue, which again uh, shores up the. Um, uh, thesis that uh, the, the print run was the print run was the print run. We didn't uh, we didn't we didn't mess around with that because it did stand out for Harry that okay, uh, I ordered, you know, five hundred service number one. I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, I could probably be argued into buying more copies of number one if they were available, but I definitely understand they're not available. And suddenly Number two, there were excess copies, and when he had the opportunity, he did he did buy more. Uh, but uh, it was the the print run is the print run is the print run. Uh, the next invoice is Victoria Bolorama. <laughs> here, here in Kitchener, I don't think Victoria Bolorama still exists over on uh, 280 Victoria Street South. But uh, that's, this is an example of, I was doing service, but uh, I was also still doing commercial work because this was uh, 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 an ad uh, original that I did evidently for uh, Victoria Bolorama where uh, Denny drummed up some business and they paid uh, uh, $60 for the ad original, uh, which says in brackets on loan, and uh, another um, ad original. I think that was, I wanted the original artwork and they wanted the original artwork and it was, okay, you can have the original artwork for whatever X amount of time and then I get it back. And they settled for that at, uh, at $60. I don't even remember doing an ad for Victoria Bolorama. Uh, so it would be interesting if uh, uh, if somebody was a really OCD uh, pre-Cerebus or during the early days of Cerebus band and wanted to go through the Kitchener-Waterloo record um, uh, microfiche files at the library uh, around December 1978 go, so, uh, is there a Victoria Bolorama hat that, that look, look, looks like Dave did it? So I, I think what I'm going to do is, uh, here, here's the deal, is uh, there's five, as I say, five of these invoice books. Uh, invoice book number two goes from May 30th, 1979 to June 5th, uh, 1980, uh, just going to uh, the first page. First page is service number 10, and at that point, uh, this is uh, May 30th, 1979. Uh, Seagate Distributors has uh, uh, gone up uh, in their orders. Instead of taking 1,000, they're taking 1,500. And uh, not only taking the back cover four-color ad, but the inside back cover ad, which was the um, service hologram. 
I say that I, I'm not going to go through this, and I accidentally flipped to page three, which is uh, Bud Plant. Uh, Bud Plant, 500 copies of Cerebus number 10, $200. And then he's written at the bottom, just a note, I received several letters in the last month from California. No one seems to be able to find Cerebus out there. Could you look into this? rather than I having to send these people to someone. Thanks. And it's like, well, that's, that's, that's chutzpah on, uh, on Danny's side. It's, it's only 500 copies of a comic book. It's not Bud Plant's job to go out and find customers. The customers are going to have to find Bud Plant stores and go, hey, can you, uh, can you get me a, a, this weird art art comic book called, uh, called Nervous? Uh, so that's uh, invoice book number two, number three, July 1980, October 1981. Uh, first page, Seagate um, Distributors. Uh, this, I think, would have been the exclusive time period when we were uh, uh, selling exclusively to Seagate Distributors, and they were taking 6,000 therapist number 18. Uh, Yes, just looking through the pages. I think we had an exception for now and then books, but everything else is just uh, just the act. So there you go. At, at the time that we went exclusive with Seagate Distributors, they were taking 6,000 of, of each issue. And that lasted until the early 20s sometime, 24, uh, 23, um, that we'll be we'll be able to look that up, uh, and then invoice book number four goes from October 1981 to January 1982, and uh, invoice book number five, uh, last one, and then he didn't write on uh, uh, the front um, what the dates were. It goes to uh, May 10th, 1982, from January 13th, 1982. So that that shows um, that we were we were we were making pretty good bucks back then, and actually shipping a lot of books um, to a lot of people. Once we stopped going exclusive with uh, with Seagate distributors. Um, because we're using up a whole invoice book uh, between January and May of, of the same year. So things, things were definitely looking up. Uh, my proposal is going to be, uh, does anybody want to chip in and get Rolly to scan all of these invoice books? Uh, one, one possibility is uh, he could scan all of the invoice books or he could just write down the number. Uh, anytime it says this is how many copies of this issue, um, he could just write down, okay, this is the name of the distributor, this is the issue number, this is how many there were. Uh, I don't know how long it would take him to do that. I'm guessing uh, two hours, uh, maybe three hours, uh, $15 an hour, Who's up for $45 an hour for filling in 
filling in the blanks on the highly coordinated, super secret, obsessively detailed fan list of service print run issues and filling in the blanks for, I think we're looking at uh, issues 6 to 38. So that would, that would be a good chunk of them off, uh, off the back end. I will throw it to, out to the mob and we'll see who wants to throw money at us. There you go. We'll throw it at the wall and, and see if it sticks. I mean, I, I can't imagine that there's... I, I can't imagine that everyone's going to be... Oh, nope, there's no way that we're going to be willing to pay that kind of money. And I'm going to be like, you guys spend more on coffee a month. Come on. Well, thinking about your cash flow problem one time, it dawned on me that if I could get everyone on the planet to give you a penny, that would be $80 million. Can you get on that? Well... That would would be really, really handy. That would be... You know, I was wondering, like, you know, you just get everybody on the planet. There's, There's, you know, about 8 billion people. That's, you know, $80 million. And I'm going... On the one hand, it seems like it just, you know, that should be a no-brainer. We could totally do that. And on the other hand, it's like, there's no way I'd be able to get everybody to do just a penny. It'd be, you know, people going, here, well, here's 50 bucks. It's like, yeah, okay, but now we get, we got to get the next guy to, you know, step up. And, and at some point, it's going to be the people that are living on pennies a day going, that's like a week's worth of food. No, you can't have the money. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a, it's a study in contrast. Um, t- today I ran into uh, uh, Brian, a guy that I know who, who works at City Hall, and no, I didn't hurt him. <laughs> and uh, the last time that I had seen Brian was uh, the third week in March 2020 at uh, the Shoppers Drug Mart across the street from City Hall. And uh, um, I said, hey, you know what? what's up? And he's going, uh, they're closing City Hall. And it's like, that's when I knew, okay, we we are way, way over in Alice in Wonderland territory now. They're closing City Hall. Anyway, he was uh, he was asking me today, so what's up with you? What have you been doing? And since I've been spending uh, a good chunk of the day, mentally anyway, on the, uh, on the bifold uh, postcards and uh, the three can you help postcards and uh, the Raymark edition uh, I, I, I said to him I can I can show you uh, exactly what I've been up to and it's it's taken me uh, a long time to get you know um, my 50 year career down to one bifold postcard so uh, I'll tell you what, what what's your full name because I, I only know him as, uh, as Brian and gave me his full name and I said uh, where do you work and uh, which floor you work on and he's on the sixth floor and it's uh, okay I will I will drop off something for you and I actually wrote a postcard to him saying can you put together a chain email for everybody who works at City Hall I mean I know there's your department but you know you connect with other people in other departments uh, here's this guy from Kitchener who's 
Guinness World Book of, uh, of Records, uh, can we get, you know, some, some donations? It's the same sort of idea, uh, donations at servicedownloads.com. The, uh, uh, the Service the Book Club allows you to donate uh, a dollar, a dollar a month. Uh, our biggest, generous, uh, our most generous uh, uh, patron at servicedownloads.com in the uh, um, Service Book Club is uh, Eddie the Successor. Uh, is actually uh, is in for fifty bucks a month, which is which is great. But that's that's high end that's high end kind of stuff. I'm thinking these are these are city officials. Every everybody uh, everybody's getting getting a lot more money working at the city than working at uh, at non government jobs. Uh, can you help some of us that don't have city jobs and just uh, uh, you know, scan, scan, scan your postcard. Uh, I gave, I gave them a bunch of them. It's a, uh, uh, hope you can help pay them and write a little note underneath it and email it to, um, everybody who's on your email list at, uh, at, at city hall and just say, uh, can you help this guy? And we'll see what happens. Cause I just, I just dropped off the, the package. I thought it was, uh, pre-COVID days, uh, where I'm just going to walk in, go over the elevators, uh, punch six, go up there, and then give it to the sixth floor receptionist. Uh, no, all of City Hall is closed off. You can you can only get into the lobby, and you have to go through somebody. Uh, so I went over to the guy's desk and went. Uh, uh, I was just going to go up to the sixth floor and, and give this to. To Brian and I gave his whole name, and you know, holding up the uh, Raymark edition of, of the last day and the uh, the postcard packages. And he goes, uh, "You can't, you can't go up in in the elevator anymore unless you unless you work at City Hall." It's like, okay, can you see that uh, that Brian gets it? He said, "Yes, he he would do that." So. I think that's one of those side effects of the uh, the safe injection site, uh, safe in quotation marks, uh, being diagonal to City Hall, and uh, it's one of those. Well, okay, you thought that uh, this was harm reduction, and um, unfortunately, you 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 ended up with uh, with votes to have it uh, diagonal from. Uh, from City Hall, and they're getting some some fun people coming in on a regular basis, and it's like, okay, well, you know, harm reduction doesn't work. What you're talking about is harm exacerbation. I say this as a cautionary note because this is spread all the way across Canada. Um, try and stop it in your community in the United States because it's on its way. This is a major 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 blue state thing yes we're gonna we're gonna reduce harm by giving the junkies a clubhouse and when that doesn't work and you just you, know, you suddenly have three times as many as as many opioid uh overdoses and deaths uh now they're going safe supply it's like okay these, these are dirty drugs so we're going to give them pharmaceutical grade drugs and uh as many as they want and it's like, if you really think that's going to work, man, I, 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 I will 
show you over to the Brooklyn Bridge here, which I own personally, and I will sell you for uh, $125 cash. Right. So that's, there you go. That's, that's, uh, that's uh, I think, uh, um, I think we covered that. Did we cover that? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I All don't, right. I don't think, uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure that somebody's going to say, Oh yeah, I, I'll, I'll kick in for this. Well, it, it, it would be nice. I'm, I'm, I'm beating the bushes these days. Is uh, is all, I, all I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a, a dutiful Johnny Appleseed with my, with my postcards and my uh, bifold postcard. Um, you got them all printed. Anybody that you can think of, or anybody that you read about in the newspaper, you know. Uh, they sound like they have way too much money. Um, what, what the heck? Let's uh, let's send them this and, and see if they're if they're interested in helping out. Like the thing with, with the thing with rich people, uh, if they look rich, uh, like they have a very rich lifestyle, sometimes they're just living the way that uh, the average person is, where they bought too much house, and yes, they're making a lot of money. Um, one of the ones was a Waterloo Region um, executive, one of the top executives I was reading about in the newspaper, and he's pulling down like 312000 a year, uh, Canadian dollars, but still 312000 a year. And it's like, okay, a big chunk of that is going in taxes. Uh, and then, okay, did he buy too much house? Like, is he trying to impress people? with how rich he is. What kind of a car does he drive? Um, does, he have, does he own a cottage? Is it a really good cottage? Is it on one of the preferred sites in Georgian Bay? Um, you don't need too many of those things as a rich person before you're spending at capacity. And you've got, you find yourself in Biggie Smalls, uh, more money, more problems. But we will we will revisit this this subject repeatedly, and uh, any anything that you can do, if uh, if if you're within the sound of my voice and you're good for a dollar a month or five dollars a month, uh, service downloads, service book club uh, is is set up for that. You just go. Uh, here's how much you want to give. Here's my here's my uh, financial details. And, and email address uh, to verify that this is me, and you're you're off to the races. Um, the, the Jeff Stoltman uh, question, uh, I thought this was funny. You emailed this this to me ahead of time. Hey, I love your blog, but I sometimes can't find information because there is so much stuff to read through. Uh, yeah, if you want to talk about an occupational a moment of service hazard. There, there's, there's one near the top of the list. Anyway, I can't find the answer to this question. Do you know if I'm able to get one of the last day stickers that Dave has to correct the spine on the collection? Uh, I bought the book right away from in-stock trades, so mine doesn't have it. Uh, if you don't know the answer, do you know how I can find out? Uh, thanks for your time. And the good news is that Roly mailed you, Matt Dow, 
I believe, a couple of dozen of the stickers. Okay. Did they arrive? Uh, I haven't gotten them yet, but when did he mail them? Uh, I'm going to say not last Thursday, the Thursday before that. Okay. That means they're and probably going to show up you, tomorrow. You volunteered because most of the most of the demand is going to be in the U.S. To uh, which is very kind of you. Uh, just anybody who wants one, I'll throw it in an envelope and I'll and I'll mail it to you. So uh, and the same thing with with Canada. We got we got a bag full of uh, last day stickers. Um, so they're so they're sitting right there. Um, I even said to Rolly, uh, in case their aim isn't really good and their hand starts to shake or something like that, send them like three stickers so they have like three, three chances to, to get it um, as, as straight as they want it to be. Whether or not that's actually straight, they could have, uh, have eyesight problems that they're not aware of, but that's all that's really important is that it, is that it looks straight to them. Okay. So, anyone in your neck of the woods should send a self-addressed stamped envelope to P.O. Box. Oh, man, I should remember this off the top of my head, and I don't remember it anymore. 1674, Station C. There Kitchener. You. Kitchen with E-R on the end. N2G. 4R2. Just think of... Uh, R2-D2's uh, retarded younger brother. <laughs> so there you go. There you go, Jeff. Um, you, you, you will get your sticker, and all you have to do is, uh, is contact Manly um, at a moment of service and say, I'm up for a sticker. Here's my address. And as soon as Manly's got them, you'll get yours. Unless, of course, Jeff's in Canada, in which case I'm going to refer him back to you. There you go. That's true. You don't know that necessarily, do you? It, it's uh, uh, they've got their email address and uh, and they're inside your television, but uh, that's all you know about them. What's well, uh, when when Ian won the uh, last day panoramic remark auction? He's like, so how do I pay? And I'm like, well, the easiest way is go to service downloads and and just you know donate and email back on well, I can't uh, you know it's one five or ten that's all I can do you know what what what's and I'm like okay when you click on it it'll say quantity and you just up the quantity of the five dollar to 73 I think it was all right mean, you know I did the math of you know you bid 255 255 or uh, two whatever 203 or whatever divide that by it, it, or 205, and it was divide that by 5, and that's how many you have to buy. You know, yeah, I figured that out as soon as I sent you the email. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's we're pretty low tech, and it, it and as I said, it sounds dumb, but it totally works. That's the thing. That's the thing. We're, and and um, we're, we're not really about, uh, about the sizzle around here. We're about the steak. It's, uh, if it works, Let's stick with what works, and uh, let's not get fancy here. Just just plug in the quantity on on the five, and uh, and Bob's your uncle. 
So I, I, I'm circling. You sent me all the uh, the T8 promo stuff that got returned, and you know, you, you specifically said use it as prizes, and I'm going, okay, that means a contest. Contest means work. So now I'm, you know, it's that do what Dave says versus that sounds like work, and and so I've. I'm still circling exactly how I'm going to phrase it and how I'm going to pitch it, but the the pre-pitch is I'm going to sell it, and whatever I make, I'm going to donate up to the Sodor Fund. But the hitch is, so like the uh, TA postcards, I'm going to sell them for 10 bucks a piece, but if you don't want me to mess with them, it's an extra 5 bucks. Because... Because, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I got the Hello Spawny stamp. I got, like, there's uh, 20 Beguiling ones, and I have this insane idea. It's completely and totally batshit of finding a uh, Mort Drucker Clint Eastwood drawing, printing it out, tracing it onto the card, and inking it myself. Because it's going to look horrible. I know it is. But I just like the idea of this is the Beguile Beguiling card number three with Clint Eastwood from the Beguiling poorly rendered by Matt. <laughs> it's your call, sunshine. You you want your card in uh, unmacked out condition or do you want your card macked out? Well, and, and I'm just sitting right here. I'm, I can play it either way. Well, and, and I'm, go, I, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I know I'm going to say it, and, like, Margaret's going to go, yes, mess with the card. That'll be funny. And I know other people will be like, I'll give you 20. Send me two cards and don't even look at them. <laughs> don't map down my cards, well, buddy. And, when, and then there's the original art cards, and I'm thinking, I can sell those. And I'm thinking, you know, because the postcards, I got an idea, because uh, Spatula bought a couple of them off of eBay. I'm like, well, what'd you pay? And he told me. And I'm going, okay, so, you know, about 10 bucks would be a, a fair market price for a, a postcard signed by Dave. And I'm like, but the original art cards, I mean, some of those were going on the Kickstarter for hundreds of dollars. And some of them were going for less than hundreds of dollars. You know, depending on what was on the card and, you know, you know, it's it's a seller's market. It's This card is really cool, so we want a lot of money. And this card, eh, this was the eighth one Dave did that day, so we'll give you a deal. And... And there's a part of me going, I could do the same thing with those, where, hey, for 70 bucks you can get an original art card. And for 100 I won't color in service. <laughs> well, he's gray. He's supposed to be gray. I got a gray marker. This will totally work. And I'm, and I'm going, I can see the fan base going, you're the evilest interim editor we've ever had. And I'll be like, I'm the only interim editor you ever had. envelopes 
that I mailed to comic book stores, same deal, uh, mailed it to comic book stores that turned out to no longer exist, and they got returned, and there the, um, uh, the comic store dividers, the uh, back issue bin dividers, slightly taller uh, than a comic book, and what it says on it is, as seen on Cerebus TV. So anything, the idea was anything that I promoted on Cerebus TV, uh, the stores would watch Cerebus TV and go, oh, I've got some of those. I will take my as seen on Cerebus TV header card and put it behind that, which would then promote the thing I was promoting on Cerebus TV and Cerebus TV. Uh, so that's, that's another uh, complete rarity. I, I, I would be guessing how many of those there are downstairs. I think it was uh, 500 cards per store and nobody has the, <laughs> I would, I would guess. Uh, uh, Margaret's probably sitting there going, huh? What? Why don't I have one of those? And it's like, yeah, you could, you could run the, uh, the Matt Dow Shakedown racket on that one, really. Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, my racket's pretty, pretty small change, but are they white backing boards or white dividers? Uh, they're, they're like color. It's the, it's the Cerebus TV color logo uh, at the top and then uh, enough space at the bottom so that you would put it in behind um, a comic book uh, either on the shelf or, or as a divider. And uh, it was it was like a, a major red flag, real uh, red, bright, blue um, Cerebus TV logo. Uh, I will I will at least uh, dig dig out one to whet everyone's appetite, and I'll leave it out back at Camp David for for Rolly and say, can you can you scan one of these and, uh, well, and send it to Matt now? I'll, I'm just I'll, I'll get him to take a picture of me holding one of them up. Well, I'm just thinking if there's if if they're remarkable, you could do remarks on them and and yo know, try to make some money that way. Of yo know, you know the moderately priced or 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 high moderate you know as as the case may be you know fifty bucks, sixty bucks you know it this one didn't turn out so good forty five. <laughs> I never know that. I never know that. I, I'm all. I'm consistently surprised by uh, by which thing service fans go. Oh, this is a good one, um, and yours isn't too bad either. Uh, 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 I, I I I wish I had uh, service fan taste because uh, uh, I I would I would probably be able be able to make uh, a lot more money at my own rack. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm thinking there's a couple different angles on, okay, the deal is it's a, it's a service ed sketch when, you know, it only takes Dave five minutes to do a decent one, 10 minutes, it's a really decent one, 20 minutes and it's turning into uh, Jeff Seiler's uh, service guide to self-publishing where there's just, you know, there's little extra bits that, yeah, well, they're there because they're there, you know, and, it, you know. So, so, how much is it worth to someone for 20 minutes of Dave's time? You know, dollar a minute, $5 a minute? 
you know, if, if there's that Yenta with more money than brains, $100 a minute, you know, right. you know, and, 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 and this is, this is one of them, this is why I'm just the suggestion guy. I'm not the, hey, why don't you go do that guy? Uh, you can film yourself doing them and turn them into weekly updates. Right. I'm all about that cross-promotional synergy stuff that uh, I heard about on the TV that one time. That one time there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, and I... Uh, unless I'm missing, uh, I'm missing something here. Uh, I'm the guy that controls the supply. I mean, I'm the... Uh, uh, service TV, full-color header card, uh, drug cartel that you hear about in Mexico where you just don't want to want to mess with guy, with this guy. If I if I say there's only going to be one of them uh, this month. There's only going to be one of them uh, this year. Uh, if you if you don't get this year, you got to wait until next year until until there's another one of those. Well, I'm also thinking of it the other way of okay, you know, you grab 20 of them and it's Okay, yo, we we auction off. You're gonna get one. We don't know what it looks like yet, cause until you pay, Dave doesn't start. It's one of those when the the timer starts and when the money runs out, the sketch stops. So he might not have both eyes. Yeah, right. you want if you if you want to pay fifty bucks, you get you get fifty you get fifty bucks worth. But we you know, we're charging by the minute or whatever. You know, ten ten bucks you go for five minutes. You know, whatever. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that would be a pretty decent racket if we can get these suckers. I mean, your adoring and adorable fans to go along with it. Right. Which you can with a percentage of them. I mean, we're we're already we're already getting off the reservation here with uh, uh, with with all of the money that uh, Margaret Liss has spent on. Therapist uh, stuff over the years, uh, a good chunk of which I've got, Argard Vanaheim has got, uh, and then I've gotten from from Argard Vanaheim. Uh, Dave, just give Roly one of the damn damn backing board dividers, uh, full color service TV, and send it to Mark. But then I get into well, okay, I got a lot of people in that category that. Uh, um, that I could send stuff to. That's the theory behind the uh, uh, the Raymark um, uh, auction catalog. Is okay. Uh, I'm printing these up. I can say that they're twenty five dollars Canadian each, and uh, I get to decide who gets one for free. Same thing with the Raymark edition. It's like okay, let's try this where the Brain Trust uh, gets a free one. And it's like that's a sensible thing to do. Um, doesn't doesn't make money on that specific one, uh, particularly since uh, you know you have to mail ten of them. But um, that gets into short term, long term. It's uh, uh, if this promotes the service Raymark edition, and I sell a bunch of them, then it's worth doing. And it's like, the question always becomes, okay, what's a bunch? And a bunch it, uh, can vary quite, 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 quite widely around here. Uh, I'm more talking about, again, in terms of service taste, uh, 
of uh, uh, Kristen, who um, uh, got the uh, the into the light at the uh, uh, service number one uh, Raymark uh, edition, and uh, uh, sent, sent me the sent me the check and uh, said this would be good. Uh, do more of these with other parts of Seraphis' history. Uh, and suggested, uh, what about a baby throwing uh, Raymark? And it's like, see, why can't I come up with that? I'm the, I'm the guy that created this damn thing. I'm the one who wrote the baby throwing page. Why isn't it the, why isn't it the first thing that comes to mind? And I'm thinking it would be particularly good with the, uh, the Into the Light Raymark because it's Therabus, um, you know, at, at the absolute end of his life where he's going into the light. And it would, it would make a very sensible image of Therabus reacting to looking into the light, uh, having just come out of uh, his life flashing before his eyes. And he's looking at the baby throwing ground. And getting that uh-oh look on its face. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. See, there you go. It's like, why can't I come up with stuff like that? I, I sit around and think about it. So, okay, just think like a service man. I wish I could, but uh, I'm a service creator. I'm a I'm, uh, service creator and, and librarian, but, but somehow I didn't get issued um, um, service service band chops. Well, I'm not going to lie. I was going to suggest a baby-throwing service remark. I I also was going to suggest, you know, because you said you like, you know, once you put the uh, base layer on the cover, it's it's real smooth for inking of. You could always do a practice for a Sodor page on a remark and then auction that off. Like, you know, here's Margaret Mitchell. Um, you know, it, if you know... Dave, and you know the uh, the history of the work. It's uh, yeah, this has nothing to do with the book you're about you're about to read. But then again, most people are probably going to buy it, and you know this is the looking at copy, not the reading copy. The other thing right. I was going to suggest is I would flip through the life flashing before his eyes, and I'd say ninety percent of those panels would make good remarks. Right. I mean, it, it, it's one of those. You know, I, I, uh, seriously, it was probably two days ago working going, yeah, baby throwing service would be a really neat idea. i got to remember to tell that to Dave. Great minds yeah. think alike. Yes, and fools sell them different. Um, okay, much, much, much food for thought there. Much, much food for thought. And Zipper said in, I'm at, I have a question and one answer for Dave. Uh, Matt says, remember when I said maybe some month you people can send us answers and we can give questions Jeopardy style? I'll take potpourri for a thousand, Alex. Uh, have I missed a page here? No, uh, no, I didn't. Mike does. Uh, hi, Dave. Now that Gen G has started successful SDOAR 2023 GoFundMe, and two issues of a giant-sized ash cans ready to be printed. 
Do you believe that there will be a Sean Robinson digitally remastered version of your mock-ups printed into a complete big uh, at sign, dollar dollar sign, omnibus phone book? Uh, would you be somewhat satisfied to have your story of Alex Raymond, photorealism, Margaret Mitchell, etc., out there in a complete book, even though it'll be in a version that wouldn't have stylized drawn version of the ink strokes of Alex Raymond, Al Williamson, etc. And uh, <coughs> then Michael uh, Michael gives his answer. My answer for this month is Lone Star Comics. <laughs> and Matt says, uh, "Have you got this in front of you? Can 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 you do can you do your own guy?" Ooh ooh! I know this one. I know this one. That's the store Styler. That's one of the stores Styler used to shop at. Oh wait, I didn't say it. I didn't say it in a form of question. I don't win. That's right. That's right. We're we're very strict around here, particularly with our uh, with our with our answers in in search of questions. Anyway, uh, Michael, getting back to uh, your question, uh, ideally. And this is, this is uh, as far as I'm concerned, asking the, the sun and the moon and the stars, which I don't, I don't tend to do. Um, I think the, the mock-ups are going to be a completely separate category, um, starting with the, uh, the giant-sized ash can. And uh, Philip Fry, is uh, is doing the digital work on those, which is one of those. Boy, if you if you want to have a uh, trial by ordeal as somebody remastering um, visual material for the first time, uh, Dave Sims uh, mockups from uh, whatever it was, page two hundred three of Strange Death of Alex Raymond through to quite literally page 554. There's, uh, there's 350 pages. Um, short term, uh, this is going to be, uh, this looks like a job for Jennifer <laughs> and also a job for Philip Fry. How long does it take them to get through all of those and I will be looking at those uh, the, ash, the giant sized dash cans when they're done and going is this uh, Sean Robinson level of quality which um, definitely I'm hoping for which means looking at a lot of it under uh, the magnifier lamp and also uh, the jeweler's loop um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. <coughs> Excuse me. Because I think what it's going to end up being is serialized and at some point collected into a 350-page um, book, 354-page book, where this is Dave Sims' mock-ups, and I will write uh, an introduction for it uh, describing the whole process and explaining, um, this is another thing 
that sets Strange South of Alex Raymond apart from the crowd that I don't think we will ever again have a graphic novel where the first 203 pages were done by the creator and then the next 354 pages were mocked up by the creator and then the creator went back to actually um, writing and drawing physical pages at page um, 555, 554. And then how far did he get after that? Did he get all the way to the end of Strange Death of Alex Raymond? Or where did he, uh, as cartoonists are wont to do, uh, die in harness, just pitched over and game over um, at, at what page? Um, getting back to the Sun, the Moon, and the Stars, ideally, I get all the way through the end of Strange Death of Alex Raymond uh, drawing the pages, hopefully doing a page a week, um, maybe occasionally better than that, but it's, it takes about a week with all of the other work that I have to do um, to get a Strange Death of Alex Raymond page that I go. Uh, I'm really happy with that. The one that I'm working on right now, 562, is uh, uh, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. This is exactly what I wanted it to look like. Um, I can I can see all of the ball. All of the inking is very sharp. Uh, get all the way through to the end, and then double back to page 203, where I stopped drawing Strange Death of Alex Raymond, and Carson started drawing uh, the pages from my mock-ups, and do... Uh, Dave's version of Strange Death of Alex Raymond and get all the way through to the end of the uh, 350 pages in the middle there. So that um, the mock-ups and the mock-up book exists as a uh, curiosity item. But yes, at some point there's uh, the Strange Death of Alex Raymond I don't think I could get it all into into one cover. It's already um, 560 pages, and you know, trying to guess. Okay, how long is Strange Death of Alex Raymond doing it exactly the way that I think it needs to be done? Um, I am hoping that I could get. Uh, the Many Deaths of Margaret Mitchell, which is what I'm working on now. I've got eight pages done, that I can get that done in 50 pages, that that will be a year's worth of work. And then, um, boy, I, I'm probably lying to myself and saying, I think I know exactly what I'm doing then, and there's a lot less work from that point of um, more green has caused the death of Margaret Mitchell, knows that he's caused the death of Margaret Mitchell, and is going, um, there's going to be severe consequences for me out of this, and is writing Rip Kirby to try and write himself out of uh, the situation that, uh, that, that he put himself into. Um, 
I'm picturing that as maybe a hundred pages, so maybe like two years on that, and then all of the spin-off repercussions after um, Ward Green dies in January 1956 and Alex Raymond dies in September of 1956, where everything went with Stan Drake from that point forward and the other photorealists and all the uh, post-resonances where uh, the car accident keeps recurring and recurring and recurring in, in comic books. Maybe another hundred pages on that. So it's still the sun, the moon, and the stars. What <laughs> a 67-year-old man going, uh, okay, ideally, if that takes me five years, six years to do that, then I'm 73, and then I double back and start doing the, uh, um, the mock-ups, and uh, how many of those can I get done? Am I going to do them sequentially, or am I going to go, all right, I got to the end of Strange Death of Alex Raymond, so now going back and doing the mock-ups, I'm going to flip through the giant pile of mock-ups and go, ooh, ooh, this one. I want to do this one. <laughs> this, this one's really cool. As soon as I've got eight of them done, uh, I'll do a, uh, uh, a can-style portfolio, and uh, it'll be eight ooh, 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 this is, this is really cool, uh, pages that uh, the, the SDOAR sponsors will be, uh, will be able to uh, uh, purchase and own and clomb onto with all the, all the, all the tiny little lines at, uh, at full size. Uh, and I want to I want to thank Michael R. I got uh, I got Roly to fax through um, his whole story of going to uh, the, uh, the local comic book convention and uh, getting me a a Walt Simonson uh, Batman head on uh, one of the Turtles uh, art cards and uh, the one the, the part that I was really jazzed about was getting a. Uh, um, uh, service Archive comic book number two, I think it's issue two, uh, with um, the photo and uh, uh, memo from uh, from Louise Simonson when she was Louise Jones and was my editor, uh, the person who discovered Dave Sim in the professional comic book field uh, with Shadow of the Axe from uh, uh, Creepy Number over 79, and uh, but he showed it to her. He showed it to her, and she she actually signed the page um, that uh, that had her picture on it and and the references. And that's 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 major closure for me. That was uh, that was that was a very very good moment that you've done there, Michael R. Because I always wondered uh, what is what does Louise Simonson uh, think of me. Uh, having been, you know, called everything but white man in the comic book field, and people having to, uh, um, you know, have have the right opinion of Dave Sim, which was a 100% negative opinion of Dave Sim. Uh, was Louise in in that category? Um, did Louise not not get the memo? 
Or is Louise one of those people who's just kind of tired of all of this cancel culture stuff? So very, very pleased to have that. Thank you, Michael. And uh, I hope it. I hope that makes a great uh, photo essay on uh, on a moment of service. Did you get that yet? I th- I don't think you would have gotten that yet. I think Roly uh, just scanned it today and was was sending it to you. I'd have to look on my phone to see. Uh, what does it say? It doesn't say I got it, but that doesn't mean anything because I'm not looking really close. Right, right. Uh, I think it's one of those you could you could run uh, all of Michael R's letter and all of his selfies that he took with people. Uh, he's now at the point of taking selfies of himself with people holding up the selfies that he took with them at the last convention. <laughs> <laughs> you can see where I'm going with this. And next year's convention, he's going to have them holding up the selfies of the selfies of him taking a selfie of, of them holding up the selfies from two years ago. And uh, boy, uh, Michael R., for, for, for a guy your age, you're, you're, you're definitely in tune with the 2023 internet of things. That's trying to think what issue of Batman it is that has the infinity cover. Which issue of Batman with yeah. the with the infinity cover? Yeah. Uh, the earliest the early one you mean? Yeah. Number uh, number eight. I think. I'd have to I just I know that they're auctioning one through Heritage. And and it, it was one of those I went oh okay yeah that's neat and the, but then it, it, you know it's, I've seen it in like three different emails from them of we're auctioning off this Batman Infinity cover and I'm going okay it's real neat I I can't afford anything you guys have and at this point I've I've given up trying but you know <laughs> yeah uh, it's that, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell the house and the cars so if I can buy a Batman number eight Infinity cover as as attractive as it is. Uh, that's not to cast dispersions on on uh, Batman number eight uh, in, Infinity cover. I think it might be might, number nine. It might be number nine. I think it might be in my Fifty Years of Batman book where it was a black and white book, but then they had uh, inserts of reproduction color inserts, you know, high glossy uh, reproductions of covers. It might be in there because that's the book that I'm like. I really need to scan some of these covers and, and mock up some service and hell covers based off of some of these classic Batman covers. And I always go, you know, yeah, except the you know the books from 1988. It's been well read. It's starting to, the spine's starting to crack. It's starting to lose pages. And I kind of got to be careful with it because it was a gift for my birthday from my dad. And I'm like, yeah, but I really should scan those. And I was like, or I could use the internet to just find copies of the covers. And my brain goes. That's no fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, you're you're getting to that age where you don't belong in 2023, and, and 2023 really tends to to rub it in. That uh, uh, no, this is how we do things now, and it's like, but I don't want to do it that way. There's no fun to that. Well, I just saw a thing. It was a quote from Kurt Vonnegut. He was getting interviewed by somebody, apparently in, in the most recent book that the interviewer had read, there was a bit where Vonnegut tells his wife he's going out to buy an envelope, and she's like, you're rich, why don't you just 
buy, go on the internet, order a bunch of envelopes, and keep them in the closet, and then you have them. And he's like, I had, and I couldn't explain to her that I wasn't just going to buy an envelope. I was going out and having an adventure. Like, he went out, and he saw a bunch of cute babes, uh, he talked to a woman about her dog, a fire truck drove past, and he gave him a thumbs up. You know, there were, it, it wasn't just going to buy an envelope, it was farting around. And then he's like, that's the purpose of our lives, is to fart around. And the computer people don't understand that. You know, the computers are going to replace everything, and then you're not going to be able to fart around. And, and I'm like, he's kind of got a point. Like, doing a muck nuts has no purpose at all. But it was a lot of fun for the five hours I goofed around doing it. Right. And it's, it's your five hours. It's, uh, uh, I think that's, that's why uh, when you see the, the pictures of the aliens, they always have uh, giant black eyes. It's like that's what that leads to. If you really, really want to live inside your television, somewhere up ahead, somebody's going to go, um, we could replace your eyes with uh, giant black widescreen television. Uh, you won't have eyes anymore, but you will have effectively have become a computer and everything on your television and your computer will be in your giant black eyeball. And those are the ones who are... Oh, cool! And they were also the ones who went, "Hey, let's go to Starship and and go looking for for other civilizations." It's like they're crazy people. It's uh, um, that's that's really the only way to get get rid of them is uh, just let them do exactly what they want to do, and that's that's how they end up. And speaking of Jen DiGiacomo, on her post for this week. Anonymous commented, uh-oh, warning flags go off. Anonymous, don't normally comment, but Steve's attitude on SDOAR is likely common enough that I'll share my opinion, which is that I've always wanted to be interested in the project, but haven't been until now, because the crowdfunding of Dave's version and the possibility of it eventually coexisting alongside Carson's has made me more interested in both the project itself and in the minutia of this bit of comic history. Uh, I'm glad Dave can still do his thing. He spent decades stellarly doing his thing his way. And if he values this thing enough to devote his aging body and spirit to seeing it through, even after Carson's, by all reports, stunning completion of it, and I still probably won't pick up a physical copy, but I do think it's about time I threw him a fiver. Uh, cheers, Dave, and may you go to your grave with fully functional wrists. Uh, P.S. Have you ever tried to draw with your non-dominant hand, and what were the results? Uh, ever do it just for the novelty slash practice? Uh, no, definitely not. I'm not a... Um, uh, I, I'm so focused on trying to make my one hand with aptitude for that do what it is that I wanted to do much deeper into the page than I'm naturally inclined to do. And I might be wrong, but this week seems like I think I'm actually getting there where... Uh, under, under the magnification of the magnifier lamp, 
and in deep space. It's, uh, this is really sharpening up. This is um, as sharp as I always wanted my work to be all the way along and why I'm so hypnotized by the photorealists, particularly uh, Primo, um, Stan Drake, Primo, L. Williamson, Primo, Neil Adams. Uh, it's just so sharp. It, it, it's, I, I've got to be able to force my hand to do that. I just have to figure out how it is, how it is that you get that, that sharp. And it's, I've been there before, uh, but because I wasn't doing it constantly, uh, I have to relearn it each time. And sometimes I relearn it and sometimes it's like, no, it's just too fuzzy. It's, uh, it's, it's really good Dave Sim, but it's not um, top of Mount Everest photorealist um, chops, which is, uh, my whole my whole purpose with it. So I, I'm being I'm being cautiously uh, optimistic that uh, I I will I will improve, and uh, it's just a matter of well, as you say, you know, does the body hold up? Does the spirit hold up? Do the do the eyes hold up um, sufficiently uh, to be able to do this? Uh, I would suggest that uh, at the very least in terms of, uh, as you say, um, uh, the possibility of it eventually coexisting alongside Carson has made me more, more interested in both the project itself and the minutiae of this bit of comic history. Uh, I think that's... Um, you're you're in the right spot if uh, if you're if you're watching Jen's um, uh, SDOAR 2023 uh, because that's what you will be seeing. I think it's uh, it's actually a big plus that uh, the way she set it up, where you unlock the page, everybody um, putting their oar in the water and pulling in the same direction. Okay, we've unlocked another page. And uh, particularly at the point that it's at now, around page uh, 310, 311, 312, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of hairpin, hairpin turns there that uh, hasn't been part of, uh, of Strange Death of Alex Raymond and was central to how, how I'm going to explain what I'm trying to explain here. Basically the nature of reality and how reality works. Uh, if, you, if you've read Strange Death of Alex Raymond and you've read through the end of uh, Carson's version and you're reading all of the pages on uh, uh, Strange Death of Alex Raymond uh, 2023 GoFundMe, uh, it's, it's, you've you, you got, you got a lot of really, really interesting experiences at I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, when, I, when I go through the mock-ups, which are all sitting on my coffee table, because I go, okay, I have to, I have to look something up here. And, uh, you know, when was it that uh, uh, I was talking about um, 
page was that on because I want to refer to that in, uh, in the part that I'm working on now. Uh, I have to force myself back out of, uh, uh, of going, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot that part. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot this part. And suddenly it's like, okay, it's five pages later. No, you found what you were looking for, Grandpa. Get back to actually working on the book. You've you got to go back to page 562, um, page page 270, page uh, 311. Uh, isn't isn't doing anything for for uh, the forward momentum and, and getting this book done. So uh, thanks for the good wishes. And yes, anytime you want to throw me a fiver, uh, I'm I'm sitting right here. We've got uh, we've got no shortage of places where. You can make sure that Artbark Manheim gets gets a fiver to keep this keep this whole thing whole thing rolling merrily along. Right, right, right. And then Manly Matt Dow, I know that guy, <laughs> wants to know what was the deal with Lord Rodney in High Society. The character is obviously Rodney Dangerfield, but the caricature hardly looks like him. Why not? Uh, was it an artistic decision, or was that level of Mort Grucker's style beyond high society era days? Uh, it it was partly beyond the the capacity of pre uh, Internet of Things Google image. I mean, now I could just type in Rodney Dangerfield. And or get uh, get Jennifer to type in Rodney Dangerfield and print out uh, a bunch of thumbnails. Here's here's the pictures and go. Okay, this is the one that I'm looking for. And then uh, either trace it into a photorealistic Rodney Dangerfield or do a um, um, mix between cartoon realism and photorealism, Rodney Dangerfield, or as you suggest, to a more trucker uh, caricature of uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Um, one, of, one of the problems with it was uh, when I sat down to picture Rodney Dangerfield, um, okay, this is what he looks like, so if I'm gonna do Lord Rodney, um, that's the picture that I have to have in my mind. Uh, when Denny and I were on the 1982 tour, uh, when we were in New York City, uh, that was one of the places I wanted to go was his comedy club, uh, Dangerfield, which was literally just straight down the street from the Peakman Towers when we were staying. Um, <laughs> to a uh, not as nice uh, area of town as the Beekman Tower, uh, but still, still walkable um, area. And <clears throat> a caricaturist had done a picture of Rodney Dangerfield that they used on everything. It was on the napkins, it was on the menus, um, I think it was on, uh, on the billboard. Uh, it was definitely, uh, and I definitely grabbed uh, one of the napkins 
have it somewhere in with the photos of the 82 tour. And it's the worst caricature I've ever seen of anybody. And it's like, I don't know why they did that. I, it was that intentional, because obviously Body Dangerfield uh, approved it. You know, this is what we're going to be using on everything. Uh, was he just disinterested in the thing as a cartoon and went, yeah, okay, whatever, we'll use that one. Um, when I tried to picture Rodney Dangerfield, all I could picture was this terrible napkin. <laughs> and uh, not having a library that had, uh, you know, an encyclopedia of um, famous stand-up comedians, or um, uh, uh, a Caddyshack um, photo book. Uh, I, it, I I just didn't have the resources, so I, unless I could I could picture him and uh, try to do what I pictured in my head, it, it wasn't going to come out as uh, as Rodney Dangerfield. And I I had this napkin in my way. So what I decided to do was. What if I did a Rodney Dangerfield that got literally no respect at all? Uh, because if you look at it, you go, wow, anytime Dave does a caricature of somebody, you, you can really see him sweating bullets to get it as accurate as possible. And uh, I just didn't do that with Rodney Dangerfield. He, he literally, uh, Lord Rodney, Got no respect at all uh, from Dave Sim because I just went, okay, here's a, here's a sort of approximation of Rodney Dangerfield that's about as good as, uh, as the napkin that, uh, that I got at Dangerfield. I'll, I'll see if I can dig that up and uh, get Rolly to scan that and send it to you. And we'll see, we'll see if it's just me or, or if people go, yeah, that's the worst. Uh, caricature I've ever seen of anybody. Well, that's, I, I just wrote a note to Google that and see if I can find the logo because I'm sure it's out there. But yeah, that's... I, it, it, the only reason I asked was that I had just posted six pages at a time from, from High Society still because I'm, I'm lazy. I got to the Lord Rodney bit and I'm going, you know, it just... It seems off that it's not a little more on model, but now that you explained it, it totally makes sense. It actually is a little funnier. It's not, it's not only that; it's also bad animation. Like when you, uh, the scene where uh, <coughs> it goes like, uh, you mean a, a, a cabinet position, a cabinet position, and it's like. Uh, uh, you mean like uh, uh, whatever it was? Uh, it's it's. He wants to give you a cabinet post. You mean a uh, chest of drawers with a log in it? Yeah, a chest of drawers with a log in. No, 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 a portfolio. And it's like, uh, and he goes, uh, I, "I'm an upbeat kind of guy." When he looks away and then looks back, it's a Rodney Dangerfield gesture, but it's about a South Park level of animation, which which I thought was funny, uh, giving uh, Rodney Dangerfield no respect at all and going, okay, I know exactly the gesture, but what the heck, I'm not, I'm not even going to put time in on the gesture because it's, uh, uh, I'm, an, I'm an up 
grumpy kind of guy. I, lo- I love Roddy Dangerfield. I love uh, I love his whole delivery. Uh, it must have been a, it must have been a great day when he landed on that voice and the, the uh, no respect at all thing. Uh, you know, my father used to tell me to walk across my crossing the street, uh, look straight ahead. No respect at all. No respect at all. And uh, a very very New York thing, but but something that uh, that is. New York Universal, and uh, congratulations to him for for coming up with that and and turning it in turning it into a career. Um, if if he wasn't one of the guys that appeared uh, more often than anybody else on the Ed Sullivan Show, he was definitely uh, on that on that list of guys. Right right up right up with Tobo Gijo. Uh, and then that's it. That's the end of the questions. What? I said practically an avalanche, as in almost, but not quite an avalanche. And then you have the, uh, the fist popped up. Uh, things you may not know about the Beatles. Was it, is this a, actually a website called Things You May Not Know About the Beatles? So the deal with social media is that you're supposed to be, you know, it's... You follow your friends, or you you follow the page of this TV show, or you follow whatever, and and that's what you're supposed to see. But, but they don't make money off that, so they just like I go on Facebook and it's hey here's a post from my brother, here's 44 posts from crap I don't care about. <laughs> Half of them are ads for things that I would buy if I were if I had more money than brains, I would totally buy the recreation of. Indiana Jones's dad's Grail diary from the third Indiana Jones movie, but I'm not spending. Who, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? I'm not spending forty bucks on a replica of a book from a movie. I mean, as much as I want this, oh, you know, I mean, the the my inner golem is going. My precious, I want, I want my precious. You know, it's going. It's it's the responsible adult going. Okay, you'd look through it once, put it on a shelf die, the kids would go, what the crap is this, and throw it away. Right. So, as I was looking on Facebook, checking the service group to see if there were any questions I may have missed, this random suggested for me popped up about, you know, little known facts about the Beatles, and I'm going, and and I'm going, oh, okay, you know, I got a second, I'll read this, and then I got to the bit that I got to, and I'm like, oh, well, this is going up to Dave. Yes. Have you have you told anybody about this, or can I just sort of read it cold here? You can read it cold. All right. Uh, things you may not know about the Beatles. The band had its first British performance under the name Beatles on December 17, 1960, at Liverpool's Casbah Coffee Club. After Hamburg, it wasn't too good, said Paul. Everyone needed a rest. I expected everyone to be ringing me to discuss what we were doing. It was all quiet on the Western Front. None of us called each other, so it wasn't so much dejected as puzzled, wondering whether it was going to carry on, or if that was the last of it. I started working at a coil winding factory called Massey and Coggins. My dad had told me to go out and get a job. I said, I've got a job. I'm in a band. But after a couple of weeks of doing nothing, with the band, it 
proper job. You virtually chucked me out of the house. Get a job and don't come back. So I went to the employment office and said, can I have a job? Just give me anything. I said, I'll have whatever is on the top of that little pile there. And the first job was sweeping the yard at Massey and Cargins. I took it. I went there and the personnel officer said, we got to have you sweeping the yard. You're management material. And they started to train me from the shop floor up with that in mind. Of course, I wasn't very good on the shop floor. I wasn't a very good coil line. One day, John and George showed up in the yard that I showed up in the yard that I should have been sweeping, and told me that we had a gig at the cavern. I said, "No, I've got a steady job here, and it pays uh, seven pounds seven fourteen a week." They're training me here. That's pretty good. I can't expect more. And I was quite serious about this. But then, with my dad's warning still in mind, I thought, "Sod it! I can't stick this lot." I bumped over the wall. Was never seen again by Matthew and Cargan. <laughs> Pretty shrewd move, really, as things turned out. The Beatles' first show since Hamburg was at Mona Bess Casbah Coffee Club, a venue they hadn't played at since the Quarrymen days in October 1959. Stuart Sutcliffe had remained in Hamburg with uh, Astrid Kirchner, so the Beatles recruited Chaz Newby, formerly the rhythm guitarist with the Blackjacks, to play bass. Now, that's interesting. Why wasn't Paul playing bass? That was his instrument, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, the Beatles borrowed equipment from the other act that was booked to play that night, Gene Day and the Django Beats. And that's the one that you've got in boldface, enlarged, and underlined <laughs> with good reason. Gene Day, exactly the way Gene Day spelled his name, and the Django Beats, who later renamed themselves Earl Preston and the TTs, uh, which is interesting. Uh, postals, posters declaring the Beatles direct from Hamburg, Germany, were placed around the Casbah, and the basement venue was crammed with people expecting to see a German band perform. Many were disappointed when John, Paul, and George took the stage. Once they began playing, however, it was clear that a transformation had occurred during their time in Germany. The crowd went wild. The Beatles performed sensationally, and Beatlemania in Britain began to get underway. Uh, oh, Gene Day and the Django Beats you say, in quotation marks, with a question mark. Is this a factoid Dave Sim knew? Uh, no. No. First I heard of it. Uh, did Gene Day know? And it's like, uh, no. Uh, what, what does it all mean with a question mark? Uh, Matt, Matt will refrain. I don't think Matt should refrain from this. We'll refrain from pointing out that in the Star Wars prequel films, the original film's mysterious badass, Boba Fett's father, is introduced. Django Fett. Uh, <laughs> did George Lucas know this factoid? <laughs> what period does period, it period, all period, mean question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. And how does it tie into the strange death of Alex Freeman? Question 
probably as as uh, good a guess as any. Uh, that's a whole whole stream of consciousness for you OCD Star Wars fans as anything else. It's like uh, if I was looking at it, <coughs> um, I would I would break it up into the three parts. Uh, ja, ja, which is yes in German, and which is and, and go beat. Ja and go, which is exactly what happened. They're, they're from, they've come from Hamburg, Germany. They passed all of their tests, and uh, it's ja and go. Gene uh, Day uh, is one of the, that, that's, that's an interesting name um, because uh, it's it's gene in the genetic sense, like your gene. Uh, everybody has, you know, um, their genetic material is made up of gene. So gene day is the dawning of a new genetic whatever it is which certainly arguably the, uh, the Beatles were. It was uh, um, whatever part of the human genome and aspects of us genetically, um, androgyny is definitely something in that category. Androgyny married with the backbeat of, uh, of rock and roll um, takes it to another level. So you do end up with capital G, capital D, Gene Day, which makes, you know, Cerebus uh, and Dave Sim um, a, a reply to that. Because you know, Gene Day was definitely the the fulcrum of that. Uh, it's significant that no, I never heard of this. I never heard Gene Day mention this. Uh, I've never read this anywhere. You've never read this anywhere, and you read it in 2023, which is uh, 49 years, seven 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 times seven since. Uh, I connected with Gene Day for the first time, uh, which is interesting because it means there was a real Gene Day in the Dave Sims Cerebus context. Gene Day was actually his name, whereas the Beatles' Gene Day was a made-up name. There wasn't a Gene Day, or presumably there wasn't a gene day because they later renamed themselves Earl Preston and the TTs. So I assume that they were they were making up a uh, a lead name. Although we don't know that was there was there an actual uh, Gene Day and the Django Beats where the lead singer was Gene Day and he got replaced by Earl Preston. But it is interesting that. There's a real Gene Day uh, in the Dave Sims Service context, and 
not, as far as we can tell, a real gene day in the Beatles context at, uh, at this um, epicenter moment. And, you know, you, we, we have to remember that, uh, you know, anytime that the Beatles come up, uh, the whole Cerebus thing happened and would not have happened if Dave Sam didn't have George Harrison die to Danny Lubair. Because if there was any, there's any expert on the planet of what George Harrison's eyes looked like, it was Denny Lubert, for whom George Harrison was her favorite Beatle. Um, so the fact that uh, I had George Harrison's eyes and Denny came into Now and Then Books because she was interested in doing a magazine like Dark Shadows. And, you know, talked about this pretty extensively. And I'm going, Dark Shadows, no, that's the uh, television show. And I asked her, do you mean Dark Fantasy? And she said, yes, Dark Fantasy. And that was Jean Day's fantasy. So it was definitely a fulcrum moment of George Harrison's eyes Gene uh, Day, and um, this is this is the um, the meeting point that uh, the Cerebus came out of. So, are you ready for the comic art metaphysics? It's beyond it's definitely in that category. Oh, oh no, uh, no, 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 it's not in the category. This is one of them. The the pinball went right into the socket. So, Gene Day and the Django Beats. Gene Day did the Star Wars portfolio that was advertised in service number one that led to the cease and desist letter from Lucasfilm, which means Lucasfilm, at some level, somebody knew the name Gene Day. But, ah. but wait, it gets even... You're, you're, I hope you're sitting down, Dave, because I forgot about this till we started talking about it. Gene Day penciled two issues of the Star Wars comic book, issues 68 and 69. Issue 68 has Boba Fett on the cover. Boba Fett's dad is Jango Fett. And issue 68, the editor is Louise Jones. <laughs> See, that you couldn't make that up. You know, I jokingly said, how does this tie into the strange death of Alex Raymond? Because, you know, it's a joke, but at the same time, it's one of those, you start pulling at that thread. <laughs> right. Uh, and the more that I thought about it, I mean, yeah, my, my jaw dropped open when I read your facts today, um, you know, prepping for this and going, oh, this is interesting. What's this all about? And I hit Gene Day and the Django piece. It's uh, one of the differences between uh, the Beatles and Cerebus, apart from, you know, orders of magnitude and popularity for the Beatles compared to Cerebus, is that um, it is a, it's a very, very long, Cerebus is a much longer narrative. Uh, the Beatles was a 7-7 um, um, 
try to track down and see if I can... I'm sure some Beatles fan has a picture of the original poster that was posted. 
at the at the club when they played. And I'm I'm gonna track it down to you know verify the information because it could be maybe somebody you know maybe the band wasn't called that somebody just transcribed it wrong. But the fact that they transcribed it wrong, it suggested by the algorithm for me to see it. It's it's it definitely it's definitely one of those. I mean, like I said, I saw it and went, well, that's interesting. 90% of the time I would have went, eh, I'll remember to tell Dave next time I have to fax something. But because I was in the middle of writing the fax, I'm like, well, okay, let's put it in now. Definitely. Definitely. It's just one of those, just the fact that it, it existed all the way along, but uh, there comes the time. This is a, a major element to me of God's clockwork mechanism is... Uh, this will be a very interesting and gratifying and validating moment for you, Dave. But you're going to have to put in 49 years to, to earn it. And uh, that, to me, is, is, is one of those things. It's, that's why it's, uh, it's a matter of, of never give up. Why uh, um, faith and endurance and perseverance are, are so important because... Uh, there's always something just up ahead that if you just do everything right, you will coincide with it. Um, but if you don't do everything right, it's like your life is also full of missed uh, opportunity where it's just all the hell with it. I just, it, 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 it uh, this is all beyond me and I'm giving up for today. Well, if you haven't given up today, you had this major thing rolling down, it's been rolling down towards you for the last 49 years, um, waiting to intersect with you, but uh, you're just ships passing in the night. Again, I think that's why this is this is all God's comedian of, uh, and what, what they do to themselves, right? the, the, uh, the blessings that they do accrue compared to the blessings that they could accrue if they would just do the right thing, do, do exactly what you think is the right thing, persevere, have faith and endurance, and you're, you're just going to get buried in these. Right. Okay, we didn't, we didn't bring it in at two hours. We brought it in at two and a half hours, but I, I think we did pretty good. Well, we have had some shorter ones, so, you know, now we're giving the fans what they crave. <laughs> the people who crave, uh, please hold for Dave Sam. Here's, here's a whole bunch for you. <laughs> oh. Thanks. Thanks as always, Matt. Say hi to uh, Paula and, uh, and Bullwinkle and Janice Pearl for me. And uh, we will... Uh, we will we will do this again, God willing, at uh, at the beginning of July. Correct. Have a good night, Dave. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.